Welcome to Stop, Back, and Roll, a podcast about rolling a D100 to decide how many new NPCs to add each session. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we'll talk about how to balance compelling player stories while also still telling a cohesive group story. Okay, so I have a topic today for today that is maybe one part GM question, um, but then one part game design question because I think that the the answer to the GM or the answer to the game design question will quickly come out of the the GM question. Great, and that and that is one of the games. So so you, we have been talking about a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games recently, <laughs> um, but also but I think we've been talking about a very specific type of Powered by the Apocalypse game recently, okay. which is we've been talking a lot about. Ma- masks fits this a little bit urban shadows fits this a lot and i think that passion fits this a lot too which is that in urban shadows you and in, and, I, and i think in passion and and to some extent in masks you as a player like based off of your playbook have a have a story that you're gonna tell that is like the okay. plot that you are telling like as the doomed yeah. in masks you have a story you have a villain, you have a doom, and so there is and so absent if there were no other characters involved, you would have a story that you were going to tell. Right. Um and that story would involve you being hunted by this thing. If you are a and 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 if you are and I think this is what we getting back to the episode where we talked about uh Passion and the keys yeah. system. And so I'm assuming that this is true of other of other um of other um, Power by the Apocalypse games where you have keys, where the keys are almost themselves more like a, a mechanized story uh, that you're going to follow because the playbook is pushing you towards that story, potentially. Yeah, my keys are exceptionally <laughs> story-drivey yeah. uh, because it kind of ha- it has a pathway towards a finale event. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely having keys okay. pushes you along a sort of pathway, right? Yeah, and so I think what I'm getting at here is, so you have these rich playbooks that are that are driving each of the players towards a story, and so as the as the GM, you want to help each of those players tell their story. You want to have that 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 doom come up in every session. Mm-hmm. You want if you want to if you have the legacy, you want to have those. If you if you have a legacy playing in your campaign, you want to have the legacies. Um, mentors and le- and former people from their from their their uh, their mask um, legacy. I'm trying not to say the word legacy again. Um, legacy show up again and be present in the story to push their story forward. And you want if you have a Janus, you want to have um, like the the daily life things that they run into. Yeah. Um, and so you have all of these like powerful but individualized stories. And mm-hmm. that was the thing that when I ran. Um, Urban Shadows that I ran into a lot as well was that I had all of these rich characters mm-hmm. that had drives and interests and unique stories. And I think that this will be a challenge for people who GM Passion in the future because it is, a, again, a game that has these like very focused, very story-based uh, playbooks. Yeah. And so as a GM, so this is like what I think we should talk about. As a GM, how do you balance that? How do you bring together all of the stories how do you do you, how do you bring those stories together and then also as a game designer who is designing a game that is like that how do you mechanize that how do you build systems in play to pull in ever to make sure you're pulling in everyone's stories but also make sure that they like cuz the best parts of those stories are where like the the masks the the the, the dooms villain is menacing the Janice's family and the stories overlap or yeah. where the fairy has made a deal with the vampires, but the vampires are at war with the, the, the like with the humans and the, and the fairy and the human veteran are good friends, but now they're on opposite sides of a war. Yeah. And how do you, how do you make those moments happen beside like, because, because if you were a good experienced GM, which I am not. <laughs> you will you'll build those things. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But you will build those things naturally. Like you'll 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 build these stories and you will and you'll you'll intertwine them. And you hear all these crazy moments from people telling stories about games. 
And but but as a as a rookie as a rookie rookier as a newer GM, <laughs> how do you make the how do you how do you or you, you struggle with that? And like one of the like the biggest problem I had with Urban Shadows was that I was building a thousand NPCs every episode, right? And how do I make these stories intertwine? intertwine? And I was trying to make sure that I was using the same NPCs, but I still had a huge doc, yeah, a Google Doc that I was keeping of NPCs. And so as a game designer, then how do you how do you try to mechanize that to take some of the weight off of those rookie GMs and help them hit those moments faster. Great, yeah. So Big t- Small topic, I know. Small topic, so. just a little bit. Of thing. Uh, how do we make the stories happen? Uh, yeah, if we'll just do a half hour episode this week. I think we can really just knock it out. We can and move bang on. it out. Yeah, I've, I've actually got like 10 minutes of, uh, of ads I'd like to do. So we can probably do it in 20. So that is not just a simple yes, no kind of thing, right? That's not like, there's not one one easy trick game designers hate. Yeah. Yeah. Doctors doctors hate this one trick of RPG design. Click on my article, James. James, click the article. No. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not falling for this trap. All right. Uh so really there isn't just a simple single thing, right? There is something to be said for uh having some experience at the table. It tells you like with some experience, with some time working things out, seeing what works well, what doesn't, you'll find your own personal style. And James, you are a much better GM than you give yourself credit for. You're a <laughs> good GM. I love playing when you're GMing. But there is an aspect of it that is like getting used to moving the spotlight. Because moving the spotlight takes some, just some getting used to, right? Uh, we're not used to telling stories or listening to stories in a way that we have to go, oh, you know what? I'm reading Wheel of Time right now. I've gotten like two and a half chapters into this Randall Thor guy, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'd like to hear about Matt. So I'm just going to read that chapter next, right? Like this is like the one media that we're changing the focus ourselves as we're consuming it. Mm-hmm. There's really two things I think that are worth really zooming in on and examining in a in like a pretty serious way, right? Mm-hmm. The first is how you're creating the characters involved. And the second is how you're framing the scenes. Mm-hmm. By characters, do you mean how the players are creating characters? Or do you mean how you are creating NPCs? Every character that is there. Like, uh, part of the thing that can come up is, like, if you're playing Urban Shadows and the players all make characters that are loners then your Urban Shadow game is five Urban Shadow games. And, mm-hmm. like, that's that sounds awful. Yeah. If you're playing Masks and all of your characters are like, we are only together winner superheroes, and then all of us go home, we don't talk outside of work, <laughs> then that's, that's not going to work, right? Uh, but so that isn't so much on the GM or game designer side. So... The concept that I like to look at as often as I can is PC, NPC, PC triangles, mm-hmm. which is something I think we may have mentioned in the past. It's a concept I think brought up in Apocalypse World, but it has certainly it's, been it's in It's definitely other in Urban Shadows. It's definitely in Urban Shadows. It's definitely I in Masks. I think it's even in Masks, yeah. Yeah. But basically the idea is when you create an NPC, ideally they don't just connect to one of the PCs. Yeah. Uh, Now there's going to be like some sorts of things that are wider connections or, or like more tenuous connections, I guess is maybe a better Mm -hmm. way to word that. Like if we introduce your character's dad, your character's dad in a teenage superhero game, like four or five chance they don't interact with another character in the party. In, like, a meaningful way, right? Unless we're like, oh, and he's also the basketball coach, and I play basketball. Mm -hmm. However, even just doing something where your dad hates my character, yeah, like, that's that's really meaningful. That has some good potential for drama in it. But just, like, any time you're introducing a character, being able to think, okay, what, how can I connect to this character, or how can I almost menace these two different characters because everything in masks is aggressive. 
even even, yeah. even being kind and nice to people is being aggressive because you're probably shifting their labels. Well, it's like you're you're if you're GMing and your 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 character is Peter Parker, yeah. You're like, okay, well, let's take his best friend and his best friend's dad, and let's mutate his best friend's dad into a supervillain. Yeah, exactly. And, and so then you've got, got a really right. So assuming that Peter and Norman Osborn are the two players, players, like you know, they're the two teenagers. Even if Norman isn't so much a superhero, uh, uh, he, could, he could become a beacon if he tried. Uh, they now have a really great PC NPC triangle. Yeah. Uh, now you could also have like two characters that have the same relationship to an NPC, but that's potentially less fraught. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it could be fraught if it's two people that have the same mentorship relationship to a, an NPC and then you can get some competition brewing. But really what you should be thinking about is like, how can, how can these three characters now be tied together? Mm-hmm. And then any time one of those characters comes up, it will also affect another player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you always want to have... And, and so why why is... Okay, just, just as a quick aside. Yeah, why, yeah. Why, why is that NPC... I mean, other than being, being a little bit closer, why is that preferable to something like saying i have a character like this character's dad is a superhero yeah they uh, and so the main character this the player is a legacy their dad is the was the older person yeah still maybe bops around but is like an older batman or whatever okay and then this player is a is a uh a delinquent they have uh an older mentor who no longer really mentors them because they're still a villain so they have an npc and maybe yeah. this character's dad and that character's old mentor fight each other and they are they're each other's primary like antagonists like a square so you, instead yeah rather than why why is the triangle better than a square the triangle is better than the square because with the square the gm ends up role-playing with themselves mm. and like yeah it's gonna happen everyone role plays with themselves that is a problem i do a lot yeah it's so it's so hard to avoid i do it all the time as a as a, as a real quick aside i went straight from uh, my biggest problem in GMing being that I was not filling the world with characters, and so my games felt empty. And I like the the uh, oh my god, the biggest horror story I have was I was GMing masks for my friends, and they left the high school and went somewhere, and I described the place they went as a playground that was empty. It had no kids. It was like the middle of the day. Like there should have been kids there. And I just like my brain froze and my instinct was not to fill the world with people. And so I filled it with nothing. And and I've gone straight from that to, oh my God, I've got too many characters. This scene is me as three people talking to each other James, while the third, while the player listens. Shark with robot legs is a solid character. And don't you dare apologize for a volume which created that wonderful monstrosity. Oh <laughs> no! And that's and I, and with 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 our Protean City games, I'm definitely doing a lot better. But with some of the Urban Shadows games that I that I was running, a lot of what my characters were doing was sneaking around, listening. Yeah, and so I ended up having and so like in an Urban Shadows setting where you, or a noir setting where you're doing that, my problem was always that oh, I've got all these characters and they're talking to each other and the players are just listening and I'm just monologuing. Yeah. So let's stick a quick pin in players sneaking around. Yeah, because that is going to be coming up again with scene framing. Okay, but, uh, but I, I want to come back to that. But I just first want to hit like if you have situations where your PCs are sitting and listening, like that's okay to happen sometimes. Uh, but the ideal thing to do is to keep those scenes really short, mm-hmm. and then remove one of the characters from talking in some way. So like. I read a whole bunch of teenage Marvel comic characters and like every time there's a big event, it'll be like, look, Tony Stark and Carol Danvers are going to get together and they're going to yell at each other. And Kamala Khan is going to stand there and be really upset looking. And then one of them is going to go, so screw you. And then they leave. Yeah, and Tony Stark. Tony Stark is probably, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nine out of 10 times going to be Tony Stark says, screw you and leave. Yeah. And so, as soon as you find yourself going like back and forth with yourself, just either throw a punch or leave. 
And Mm -hmm. it's okay. This is something people don't do in role-playing games. And it's something that they should do in role-playing games. People back down all the time in real life. (laughs) Like, yeah, I, I have spent a lot of time working with really, um, really aggressive, violent, uh, kiddos that like get into physical fights on a really, really regular basis. And, those kiddos that really aren't controlling their own aggressive impulses and aren't able to control their own aggressive impulses in that moment, even they back down more often than they fight. Hmm. Interesting. So, like, eventually people just hit a point that they're like, no, that's enough, that's enough, I'm out, I'm out. And when that happens, you've got the, P- you've got the PCs there, and you've got an NPC that's probably still angry. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, like, if you find yourself in that situation, the general rule is kind of escalate the relationship between the two main, the two uh, NPCs. Yeah. In a heated sort of way. Encourage the PCs to join in on that fight or conversation. And if they don't, have one of the NPCs either strike out or back off. Yeah. Because, like, let's go through the two situations, right? One of them backs off. Now you have an NPC... And a couple of PCs. That's a great scene, right? That's an awesome opportunity. Yeah. If they fight, then that's an opportunity for your players to go, hey, whoa, 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 and side with one of them or grab both of them and pull them off of each other. Mm -hmm. And now you've got two scenes that have probably two PCs and one NPC or a PC and an NPC, and they're separated a little bit and they're not allowed to talk to each other right now. Yeah. And that's also really good. And even from those situations, like if we're talking masks, the adult hero can yell at the teenage hero and then fly away on their jetpack. Yeah, and that, but also that still works if we're talking like the ward or something where you're playing a medical drama mm-hmm. where people are not like people fight all the time. Even oh, yeah. if it's just an argument. Yeah, and like watch a single episode of Grey's Anatomy. And look for the amount of times that two people start to have an argument, and then one of them yeah. says, I'm not doing this, and leaves. Yeah, and it also that also lets, it means that there is that other NPC who is leaving, and so mm-hmm. any of your characters who care more about that NPC can follow them and split the scene. Absolutely. Which is great. Yeah. Um, think of those GM moves. Uh, those, I think they're maybe the second and third GM move on the list of, like, bring them together or pull them apart. Yeah. And yeah. that's what you do when a scene starts to slow down is just pull people together, push them apart. Push them together, pull them apart. Yeah. Accordion. Like an an accordion, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. GMing is like an accordion. (laughs) Full of lemons. Yes. And chocolate. When life gives you an accordion full of lemons, (laughs) make accordion lemonade. Push them together and pull them apart. Yeah. Make lemonade accordion to the accordion the instructions. (laughs) And I'm done. I'm out. And that was episode 59 of Stop, Back, and Roll. <laughs> Tune in two weeks. <laughs> when okay, we so, replay the same episode. <laughs> so, okay, hopefully we can bring this together into some kind of a game mechanic, because I think that there is a general sort of NPC creation controlling game mechanic maybe we can get to in this okay. at, at the end of this conversation. But like, so my problem was that anytime that it happened where someone told me to create an NPC, I created a new NPC. Yeah. And in retrospect, I should have grabbed an NPC that already existed and said, oh, you want to go talk to a person who's in the fairy world? Uh, here's a new fairy we haven't talked to before. Yeah. I should have said, here is this other fairy that you are that other characters already know that you don't yeah. know about. Talk to them. And then the flip side to that argument is in the most recent or in the most recent um, Protean City volume yeah. that I ran, Sokotoa asked who in this room can I use to assault the villain? Yeah. And I said, Alina, because Hmm. she has psychic powers. Um, Looking back on how I would have preferred for that to play out, I should have created uh, an, uh, I should have created an NPC. So my problem is that my, like sometimes my gut is really wrong. And in the moment uh, when I should be sharing NPCs, I don't. Or like using an already existing NPC, I don't. And sometimes when I should not, or when I should be creating new NPCs, I instead use a player or an older NPC. 
uh, and I tripped myself up then because then later I didn't have an NPC that I needed established, mm. and like that moment was the perfect time to establish them. Yeah, there's a degree to which the game itself kind of forces you to push into one or the opposite direction, right? Yeah. And I think that part of that might be that you were playing Urban Shadows in one and Masks in the other. Certainly Urban Shadows pushes you towards oh creating my. new characters. Yeah. And and Masks kind of pushes you the opposite way. Hey, let's have our table where we have five players, all of whom at the beginning of literally every single session have to create at least a couple of NPCs because they're yeah. creating a rumor. And those rumors are going to involve at least two NPCs. Yeah. And players don't tend to circle back to characters that were already created when they're making new rumors, when they're told, like, you know, uh, just make something up. It's all going to be new characters. The worst was, because um, when you when you roll well on your rumor, yeah. you get to, like, the player gets to create some of that rumor, and you can yeah. always take it as a rumor, but if you fail that roll, it almost stops being a rumor because the rule says, like, someone is coming for you hard, and you yeah. don't know. You're so embroiled it's in the be- middle of it. Yeah, it almost has to be someone that they don't know anything about. Yeah. Or in the, I was a couple times I was able to make it someone that they knew who they didn't realize was coming for them. Like, I mean I, I had I had a group of vampires who were looking for my my uh, my mundane um, regular aware character because they thought he was an oracle. They were wrong. And but he already knew those vampires. He just didn't know they were hunting him for that reason. Right. Yeah. But and in so most like, cases, it I had to just be like, "Oh, you the the my mortal person or my um my wizard who uh, is someone from the church is coming for him, and he doesn't know them, and no one else is connected to the church, so it's got to be a new, new character. NPC. It's got to be a new NPC. Yeah, and like that is something that Urban Shadows does, I think, intentionally, in order mm-hmm. to make the world feel like it has a whole bunch of people in it because it is an urban game. And that does, it does make the world feel like there's a whole bunch of people in it, like not having to revisit anybody ever the entire time you play <laughs> and the GM never having to introduce an NPC ever because it's all rumor characters. That makes it feel yeah. really, really full, right? Uh, especially given that Urban Shadows has its core information gathering mechanic being go talk to somebody. Yeah. So yeah. like that game is built around having an enormous amount of NPCs and it's really easy for that to bloat, which can be okay. It can be all right to have an enormous amount of NPCs Mm -hmm. if that's the game in the world that you're trying to do. Right. Like think it's, I think urban shadows takes a lot of nods from, uh, from the Dresden books. And if you think of like some of the early Dresden books, they're slamming NPCs at you. Oh yeah. Dozens of NPCs and they don't come back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or they do 12 books later. Exactly. Once he starts realizing that he's going to make them connected books <laughs> and they start reappearing. Uh, that's, that's not any shade or any salt. No, yeah, just yeah. at the beginning he was writing episodic things. And so, okay. So yeah, can no. I just interrupt? Uh, of so, course. so that, that mechanic, that rumor mechanic is a good yeah. example of that is an NPC generation mechanic. Yes. It is a, th- and it's a story generation mechanic. And yeah. because stories in urban shadows, because of the type of game it is, are there frequently stories coming from or about people. Yeah. Um, so you're generating a lot of NPCs. And so that is a way that like masks or urban shadows. Wa- again, it wants you to feel overwhelmed by the number of people that are living in this city, which is why it helps you do that. Yeah, definitely. Masks, on the other hand, doesn't really have a... There isn't like a hit-the-streets role, or there isn't really like um Like, all of your interpersonal roles in Masks are between you and people that you already know. Yeah. And your strongest roles are are influenced by influence. Um, <laughs> and, and those are where pe- not only the people that you know, but people that you have strong relationships with. Yeah. So that I makes it interesting. No, no, I, I think I see where you're going with it. Is Masks an, is an interesting one because on the one hand, it's a superhero comic and it's very easy to do just very episodic, you know, villain of the week style stuff. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's a superhero comic. So like, you know, like connected plot lines that pull back into themselves and things like that are really expected. So you are encouraged to make some new characters, but there's not a specific push happening mechanically 
that forces you to after character creation. Yeah. Because there's that, how did the team come together? Yeah. And I think that move explicitly asks you for a villain that you're facing. It does, but the villain you're facing could be the legacy's yeah. uh, villain. It can which be, it can you've be, already made. And, and, and you're also, it's a fight that has already finished, so yeah. you don't necessarily have to come back to it. It could be your Doom's nemesis. Like, mm-hmm. except for the places on the character sheet that it explicitly asks for things, it doesn't necessarily do anything to make NPCs. And yeah. it kind of trusts you to make your own NPCs. Uh, right. I think it's pretty reasonable that people are expecting supervillains to come up <laughs> relatively yeah. frequently. But, like, honestly, you could play a game where at character creation, every player made a couple of NPCs, and then there were no new NPCs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you really focus in on the legacy. You really focus in on the super scientists that turned your transformed into the monster they are. You super mm-hmm. focus in mm-hmm. on uh, your alien upbringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be weird. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think we've we've drifted a little bit from the initial topic of 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 getting of focusing on these character of, of playbooks that have rich stories. Yeah, and those stories are driven a lot by these NPCs, which is why how I think how we got here. Yeah, geez, we did um, end up on NPCs, didn't we? But but so and but so I, th- I think that is an interesting thing about masks, where like the legacy or the the protege, they are playbooks or or the doomed a little bit. Um, they are playbooks that are that where their story that they are telling specifically relates to some NPCs. And so that's Mm -hmm. why those playbooks have NPC generation moves. Even the, the innocent a little bit has a generate a PC off of my character kind of move. Yeah. Um, And, and so that's why those have, have, um, have NPC generation, but a lot of the other playbooks don't. Yeah. And why it's sort of like it's interesting in the way that masks really minimizes NPC generation except for those characters. And I wonder if that is an intentional um an intentional kind of uh way to help drive those stories because your other heroes, your other villain or sorry, your other villains, your other um antagonists that the players are going to run into are sort of these like there's no mechanic for creating them you just like you need someone so you grab a villain name um i mean i think the book literally has like i have somewhere i have the villain deck which is yeah. like a deck of cards where you just go up oh, this is today's villain here's the one and they're just like you're shuffling through these villains and it's not a big deal they don't stick around too long except for the villains that are and npcs that are named by the playbooks they last they stick around yeah, helps drive that story. Absolutely. And so I think that's really what you should be looking at is seeing what are the NPCs that are required for the PC's story. Because frankly, the NPCs don't matter. Right. Yeah. I know the legacy matters. Haha, <laughs> let's move. They in. matter in as much as uh, the players care about them. Exactly. The minute that the player stops caring about the legacy, the legacy doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Which means the GM has tools like their GM moves to make the player care about the legacy. Uh, But like, as long as the players are invested and the players care, then it doesn't matter what is going on with the NPCs. There's all of these people that go like, I'm going to run uh, 30 factions with things happening behind uh, the GM screen and I'm making roles and things are changing and none of that matters. Yeah. Because it doesn't make the world feel more lived in. It mm-hmm. just means that occasionally they'll get to say something that they could have said if they're just making it up. It's yeah. and like there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's fun lonely play, uh, and there's nothing wrong with fun lonely play. Just it doesn't actually make the story better just by having that. But the flip side of that, yeah, and this is maybe where I want to get to more a little bit. But like with. Passion, for example. Yeah. And you'll excuse me if I'm not super familiar with some of these playbooks. But like as um, Lampleada, you have your story is about having a love interest. Yes. And so obviously, yeah, or more more love interests, at (laughs) least. And so and so the story at least dictates that you've got to have at least a couple NPCs who are those love interests. No. No? Because the players can be love interests. Okay. That's fair. 
But okay, but so so even allowing for it to be players, yeah, there are ha- there should be other characters in the game that are played or by a player character or by you as the GM, yeah, um, who are those love interests? And as someone like Ladonia or El Jefe, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even as like um, the Caballero, mm-hmm. you are a, a person who is making moves. You have rivals. There are enemies, and yeah. like. As a, it is more compelling of a story if one of the NPCs who is Lampliata's um, uh, love interest is also the rival of the the Caballero. Definitely, because there's that NPC uh, yeah. PC NPC triangle that yeah. we're talking about, and and that and so how do you like how do you if you just have a rule in Lampliata's playbook that says you have some love interests. Who are they? Yeah. And gives them the ability to say it's a player character or it's an NPC or whatever. And if you have um, the, uh, the Caballero or El Jefe's playbook that says, hey, someone's encroaching on your territory or there's someone you're trying to get revenge against. Yeah. Um, who is it? There's yeah. nothing on their individual playbooks that says you guys should pick the same character and they're two different people. Yeah. But you as the GM know that it will be a more compelling story if it's the same person. So how do you push them to do that? So Either as a GM or mechanically. Uh, I've done two things and both of them are kind of cheating. Okay. And I love cheating. I, I love cheating too. It's the, the number one way to write good games is to cheat. Someday I'm going to do like a video or a podcast where I show all of the places where Pasión de las Pasiones is just cheating and isn't actually doing what it's saying it's doing. Yeah. Uh, because I'm very excited about all the ways that I've tricked people into having fun. Yes, um, it's important. It's it's important because otherwise they're <laughs> otherwise they might not do it. You know, they might they might decide not to have fun. Um, but so there's two things I've done. One is that instead of focusing on PC NPC PC triangles, I said screw it. PC, PC, PC triangles. Okay. Um, NPCs are not important for Pasión de las Pasiones. They will exist. There's going to be some of them. If you have a small table, there will be more of them. Uh, But fundamentally, the players should be caring about the interactions between them and the other players. Mm -hmm. If you have three players and one of them's Lime Playata, yeah, sure, go ahead, pull in an NPC. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit down at your table and tell you you can't. Um, but Pasión runs better with four or five people than it does with three. And so uh, this is actually a concept I was just talking with, uh, with Brendan, uh, Brendan Conway of Masks about recently, um, is the idea of voiding the warranty. Mm-hmm. Uh, name dropping in the middle of our podcast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> not, I'm not trying to. I was just, I wanted to give him credit because yeah, he, it's fine. he brought the concept to me and it's not my idea and it's way more brilliant than anything I've said. Uh, so the concept is voiding the warranty. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you are, when you sit down and play a game, they, the game gives you some promises of like, here are the things that this game will provide if you play the game according to the warranty, if you play it according to the way it's meant to be played. Uh, and like the rules is written are that are that design, right? And so like one of the things that we were talking about is that Pasión de las Pasiones is intrinsically a Latinx game. Uh, it is designed to be played with Latinx characters. It is designed to be played in a setting with other Latinx characters. And it is designed to be specifically the, the Latinx soap opera. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not doing that, You've voided the warranty. Uh, if things don't work, that's not on me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you could totally take the rules to Pasión de los Pasiones and run an American soap opera. But I'm not going to have, to, I don't need to do anything to help support that. Because yeah, that's not what not I told game you. game design to do that. Yeah. And like, if you decide you want to play it as a K-drama, uh, the Maybe fact... it works. Maybe it yeah, doesn't. It, it might work. It might not. But guess what? All the names are going to be useless. <laughs> Like, you know, there's going to be things that just don't work with it. And that's okay because you didn't follow the warranty. Uh, And so with Pasión, like we aim for a certain amount of players. We kind of say this is sort of where there's some sweet spot. Uh, If you're playing with two people, uh, maybe you're playing on Party of One, which I love. Or maybe you're playing just like in your day-to-day life and whatever it is. That's totally fine. The game won't necessarily run the same way. So... 
if you are Lime Playata, and instead of choosing players at the table, you decide to play an NPC, you decide to choose a couple of NPCs, that's a place where I've kind of where I'm kind of going like, okay, yeah, that that will probably work. But more of the game design is going to be on the GM mm-hmm. because it's outside of what the game is intended to do. Okay, that makes sense. So that's how you're 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 sort of pulling the stories together. The game also has play sets, mm-hmm. which are basically settings and stories that are sort of like pre-built to move you nicely into doing your show. Uh, and. They have like some, they've got some custom moves, they've got some locations, they've got like, you know, things to, to flavor it up to feel nice, hopefully. Uh, and one of the things they have is a couple of NPCs. So, if you are playing uh, at the, the you know, the, the super fancy glitzy hotel, uh, one of your NPCs is the pool boy. Yeah. And... Obviously. Obviously. And, hey, if you're looking around the play table at the players and you're like, none of these people make sense to be my lovers. They'd be a great choice because it's an NPC that already exists. That's sitting on the table that everybody knows about. So that is like an additional way that I've cheated. So instead of having to have players coming up with a bunch of NPCs, they're welcome to, they're totally free to, they should, if that's the game they want to play, if that's the story they want to run, go for it. Um, but if they don't want to, or if they are not wanting to spend the time on it, the support is in the fact that it has some of the things pre-built in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you have, like, you know, when you have, if you have five players sitting around the table trying to set up their relationships, they're choosing a couple different relationships. Hopefully they're choosing mostly players, but even if they're not, they'll start to connect to those NPCs. And mm-hmm. so if you give them... 50 NPCs sitting on the table, or you say, you can make as many NPCs as you want. If you have a legacy, if you have uh, uh, some of the other ones that have just like a, a boatload of, en- if you have a, a legacy and a scion and a uh, reformed, and you've got already 20 NPCs on the table, you're unlikely to have those nice NPC, PC triangle, PC, NPC, yeah. PC triangles. Uh, but if you say like, these are the four NPCs, and this is actually something I stole a little bit from uh, from John Adams in Noir World because we did some NPC creation there as well, mm-hmm. and kind of built off of that. Like then you're good, and you're much much more likely to end up with those tighter tied in relationships. But it's never going to feel as full of a world with as many huge number of characters in it as Urban Shadows because it isn't trying to do that. But I think that getting back to my initial question from the very top of the episode of yeah. how do you tell if you have all of these rich stories yeah. that each of these playbooks want to play, like Lampada has a story about this love interest or love interests um, and that triangle. You want to always be telling that story or yeah. coming back to it frequently. Um, and my concern was, oh, if it's, if it's two NPCs, then that's like maybe they're involved in in other things. Yeah, but how do you always come back to that? But if it's player characters, mm-hmm. well, then any time if we've got El Caballero and El Jefe as the two yeah, lovers, the love then interest. literally every scene either of them are in is, is going to be advancing that, that story exactly. So that's pretty good. It's cheating. It's, it's cheating. It's the same thing that Apocalypse World does. The players yeah. should face each other. Yeah, and even if they aren't oppositional necessarily right they that and it just makes it easier by having any scene with those three characters is going to advance or it's gonna it's yeah and it and, and the real trick is that for that any scene between those three players is going to feel to each of those players like a scene that advances their story exactly because inevitably some piece of their story will always come up when el jefe and la doña totally make out la empleada is going oh this is part of my story yeah and El Caballero is saying, oh, this is part of my story because I really want to kill El Jefe. Yeah. And that's a way to cheat. That's actually yeah. a really good way to... So it's a, that's, a, that's a really good way to cheat um, spotlighting because yeah. as, a, as a young, as, a, as a, a novice GM, you might not feel too comfortable about that. But that is a system that lets each of those players feel like they're in the spotlight. And they really, are. And they really... And they are. But the secret is they kind of all are. Yeah. 
And that is a thing. So that is, like you said, you call that noir world and that noir narwhal world. Narwhals. Noir world. And that's a that is also a game that had uh, like um I mean we admittedly I the last time I played that game was the very early like, well, a very early version. Um or maybe it was a like, middle like I think it was like the version. 80th version or something yeah, so like it's that. Hard very to call early. It early, but it was like <laughs> prior to the version that is being published. Yeah. Um and but it had crazy amounts of relationships. Yeah. That is a thing that I've always felt was a little bit weak in masks. Because yeah. you do have your influence that you give over people, mm-hmm. but a lot of those influences are like they're passing. Like, uh, like my character has one of my relationships was uh, that I had told someone about my doom. Well, guess what? As soon as we started playing, I told everyone else about my doom because it came up, and so I asked, I answered the question. There was nothing really in the playbook other than that one line telling me to be secretive about it, and yeah. so, and then also because you're picking up influences left and right that one influence or that one relationship doesn't quite mean as much because it's not so special. Yeah. Versus if you have a lot, if your relationships are like pick your two love interests, that feels pretty darn special regardless of how many other relationships you have. Um, one of the big kind of sources on how I set up the relationships for Passion was looking at cartel, uh, by Mark Diaz Truman, uh, because the relationships in that, are like wildly, wildly tight and lasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not things that kind of disappear into the background. So like uh, the cook, right? El Cocinero. Uh, blank is familia, close family. They don't know what you do para el cartel and you're not sure you can keep your secrets for long. Like even if they learn about the cartel work that you're doing, they're still your family. Yeah. Even if they never learn about the cartel work, they're still your family. So that always will have drama in it. Blank got you into this business to help you with your financial troubles, but didn't tell you the whole story. Now you're both stuck. That's amazing. Because when things go poorly, you blame them. Mm -hmm. When things go well, you owe them. You and Blank have an understanding. You need each other for now, but both of you know the current situation won't last. That's just to make people more paranoid and angry at each other. <laughs> you know, like, that's just like an invitation to say like, okay, so what is, what is this understanding? What is this bad business we're both wrapped up in? Mm-hmm. And that bad business is going to stick around also. This is also, this might be an older version. Uh, I don't know if those have been changed or tightened up at this point. But they're good but, examples. But they're good examples, right? They are not, just relationships that are there for a second. Mm-hmm. They're relationships that will stick around and always be important. It's it's like the it's the polar opposite of Dungeon World's relationships. Where you're supposed to figure out when the relationship is less important mm, and, move and get them. and get experience for <laughs> making your relationship no longer important, which is like uh, so, so okay, so it Let's t- bring bringing this back to game design and, yeah. and hacking. So, like, if I have always felt pretty underwhelmed by masks's uh, in, like relationships, because mm-hmm. I felt like that the thing that I struggle with while GMing masks is that I have all of these characters, and like it's the thing that I think we're running into a little bit in Protean City right now, where we have all of these characters who have these very rich stories that don't always overlap too much because again, like the, 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 we've generated some NPCs that are related to the characters. Um, but like Alina's story is all about the appointed and like, there's some big NPCs there, but like Puck, I think has literally never interacted with the appointed at all. Yeah. Other I than like, I've, he's had a couple like bad uh, interactions where someone attacked a friend of his, but like I've never spoken to anyone. Uh, I think that ha- that was from the appointed, and so like yeah. there isn't a whole lot of overlap between my story, and so that means that by necessity, if we tell an Alina story, we're not telling a Puck story. Well, part of the issue there is that we did void the warranty. Yeah, we're okay. not playing so a consistent uh, story through with the characters, right? Yeah, that's fair. We are playing. We are doing something a little bit different. Yeah, and so but, so I think we should give. Like, you know, at least that acknowledgement. Yeah, okay, uh, that's fair. Because but, I even think if you, but even if you weren't, like, even if you weren't necessarily doing what we were doing, um, I think that because Masks doesn't build as strong relationships between the characters, 
uh, and doesn't have a strong NPC creation system that encourages mm-hmm. you to overlap as much. Like there's not that's the thing is that it, each of the playbooks encourages you to build a strong story for your character, but there's nothing that encourages you to overlap nearly as much as it should be, not nearly as much as Passion does. And Passion takes it to an extreme where you're yeah. saying overlap everywhere. Yeah. But like if I was going to hack masks to make that a little bit better, it sounds like the place to go do that is with that relationship system because being able to tie the players together a little bit um, would force would, would force them to interact in, in different ways than they do now because for yeah. the most part, like every time I've sat down to play a game of masks, the characters have been teammates mm-hmm. but not necessarily friends. Yeah, because we, they don't I have. Think we also have a slightly weird group because I've now played in a whole bunch of other masks games mm-hmm. <laughs> because now I, I just like go onto masks places and I'm like, let me play in your game. Yeah. Um, but I think we are a little weird in that our team is not made overall of close friends. Yeah. But also, um, I've run other games like that too, and had the like, same I haven't thing. run. I haven't run an abundance of masks games, but I have yeah. run a few, and they and for in my experience, they have hit that same problem a little bit of okay, these characters are teammates as heroes, but not yeah. friends as kids. Yeah, I can and, definitely see that. I, I think and, the thing to do is to look at those relationships, right? Yeah. So, like, let do, let's grab a playbook and talk through the relationships on it real quick. Let's do the star. It has two relationships when you start. Mm-hmm. One is blank might wind up being more of a star than me someday. And blank would be a great sidekick. I try to keep them around. Yeah. So, so like I, I don't want to throw shade on masks in any broad ways because masks is legitimately my favorite game. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even need to say my favorite RPG or my favorite board game or my favorite tabletop. It is legitimately my favorite game. <laughs> the relationships do not bind characters together because I no. don't think they're supposed to. I think the team is supposed to bind characters together and the relationships are supposed to give you some backstory. That said, there's no reason they couldn't tie people together with a little bit of tweaking, right? So let's mm-hmm. just go through those. Um, blank might end up being more of a star than me someday. Kind of gives you a sign to be like maybe a little jealous of them maybe trying to attach yourself to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a little I mean like it's it's, it's might it, wind up it's someday. really it's it's very wishy-washy, but it's not actionable. That, it's not actionable. It's very long term. Yeah. And so maybe as the GM you can look at that and say, "Okay, so I should be I should be putting the other player into situations where they are being given uh, popularity and stardom because of yeah. their actions. Uh, and then let that relationship go. That's like the most actionable thing you can do. But like, but being real honest, like if you asked me to, if you gave me the list of relationships that we created for Protean City, I could not match them. Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't be able to match them. I would have no idea. And compared to something like the cooks, um, Someone is my family and doesn't yeah. know about my my career in the um in the like doing doing this drugs thing, um but they might <laughs> that's find what, out. That's how it works. That's, yes, yeah. That's like that's an actionable thing. Like you've got to yeah. always be menacing that that family member mm-hmm. and like keeping them on the precipice of finding out. And yeah. that's like an evocative, actionable thing. Re- uh, relationship is the word. I'm not yeah. saying um that that game gives you. Yeah. Um, and so then the other one, blank would be a great sidekick. I try to keep them around. This is a dungeon world relationship right there. Yeah. A relationship that you eventually grow out of. Yeah. Right. Like when you choose the beacon and then the beacon proves themselves. Wow. Great. That relationship doesn't apply anymore. Or like, I mean, even if it's not something like that, but it's like, oh, 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 oh. so you are supposed to choose other players. Yeah. I, I like, I confirmed in the masks core book that you yeah, are. Yeah, you are supposed to. So yeah. like. What is the, as a game designer, what is the thing that is doing? Like, is that, is it supposed to be helping you keep the players together? Because, like, is there a world in which the players are not keeping each other around? Like, like you are definitively part of a team already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, like what and, does it do? And I think what, I think what it's supposed to do is 
have the characters say each other, have the players say each other's names and get a little camaraderie going. Yeah. And like, have like some, some things to lean on in the first session. Mm -hmm. So like when my star is looking at your character, who'd be a great sidekick in session one. And I look down at my sheet and it says you would be a great sidekick. Then it tells me how to act towards you. Yeah. And so I, I think the fact that it is between when our team first came together and influence and underneath backstory is really key to it, right? Like it is, this isn't about setting up the next 10 sessions. This is about session one and helping you to guide your role play in session one. Yeah. Is that necessarily the best thing for every GM or for every table? I don't think so. Um, And I think that there are ways that you could play with it that would change the feel of the game in interesting ways. So like... I could see a relationship that, like, uh, blank is beloved by your audience. Mm-hmm. Like, that that pushes your behavior throughout. It, it's it's yeah. blank might end up being more than a being. Yeah. It's blank might wind up being more of a star than me someday, but change so that it directly connects to your audience. Like, blank is a fan favorite of my audience, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it has the same format, it has the same idea, but it means that it, it shows you how to interact with it. Yeah. Um, if if I'm an Instagram star and I'm looking at the Nova and going like, oh yeah, they're going to be on the the cover of, like, all of the major news publications, we're not playing in the same field. That's not a PC-NPC triangle. Uh, PC, NPC, PC triangle. That is just two PCs connected. Yeah. And so that's actually kind of how I would try to word these relationships is set them up so that they are secretly PC, NPC, PC triangles. Uh, things like in the legacy, blank was considered for my legacy. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be really good, right? Like that ties them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, the protege already has uh, blank is not trusted by my protege and wants me to keep an eye on them. Uh, and that's really good because that will come back up, you know. I just pulled um, up the the doomed playbook just because yeah. I was looking at how things were worded for that. And like you'd like to kiss blank before the, your doom comes. That's like literally one of the the drives that the beacon has. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and like I think that that this comes back to the fact that it isn't trying to tie the team together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's trying to create a sense of camaraderie and give you an idea of how the team interacts, not trying to force them into conflict with each other or into. But, and yeah, and it's not, but it doesn't create like like the thing that that relationships in Passion does is it creates, and I think this is the thing that we kind of got to is that those relationships create lasting story beats or lasting story elements that help yeah. you f- spotlight players or help help the players spotlight each other so that you don't have to as a GM to help drive those unique stories while not having to think about it too much. And this doesn't really do that. Like it's a, like I was I had a conversation with our friend Elsbeth a little bit um because Way back, I was listening to like one of the first ep- issue or one of the first um, sessions of Protean City, where we did all of this stuff, like the, how the, our team came together thing. And yeah. I was looking at our influence, and so the Doom's influence move says these people matter to you for what you need to do, yeah. which is overcome the Doom and give influence to your two, two of your teammates. And I had said the two people that I have, have the most influence over me are Sage and Sokotoa because yeah. they represent the science and magic ways that I'm trying to learn and deal with my doom. Yeah. But within the first like session or two, I took away that influence from Sage or Sage like abused it in some way uh, that yeah. mechanically removed it. And then that relationship totally went away. And we yeah. like, and then we get the point where we are now in the comic in, in in the comic uh, in the it podcast, <laughs> where like Sage and John aren't friends, and so it's so weird to think back that like early on I said like you're the one of the two most important people to my life right now, yeah, because then immediately that mechanic disappeared, yeah. I think, and there was nothing I think that reinforced was, it. 
if there was one thing I would hack for masks, maybe as we come into uh, uh, our relaunch eventually, mm-hmm. is maybe looking at those relationships and just like, because I, I think that there are four, four, when you have a game that has the same four players every single week, you're building relationships as you go in like a very broad, like in a very like yeah. moment to moment way, right? Uh, and so this is just kind of like a first push is you going, hey, talk to those two people about your doom. That'll be fun. Um, and it isn't meant necessarily to tie them together and create conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that 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 can be a really fun thing to have. And like they're just comics of different of different tones, right? Yeah. Um, like the comic where like there's there's plenty of teen superhero comics that everybody gets along and they try not to talk about their personal life. And I think the masks does a great job of making you talk about your personal life yeah, and getting yeah, yeah, you into yeah. those emotional spaces. But the relationships aren't doing heavy lifting on that. I think the relationships are meant to be the starting point. Whereas in cartel or in pasión, mm-hmm. they're meant to be kind of a, the lasting relationship. It's meant to be, this is always going to be a factor. Yeah. The fact that you are family is always going to be a factor and that's always going to matter. Well, and in masks, the 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 family that you are part of, the la- that lasting thing is the team. Yeah, and yeah. like you said, the way that it's it's framed on the playbook, you're literally like you're coming up with your backstory, and then it's like, what did our team do when we first came together? What are my immediate relationships and influences within my in my in my um between my my friends? And yeah. that immediately tells you like what is your initial starting um attitudes toward each other? Yeah, and the influence is there to set up that initial currency mechanic. Yeah. And then it kind of just says, here is like, so this is the dynamic of your team. Go. Yeah. And like, part of that, I think, is that this is, is that like your first session is, you know, uh, masks issue one or mm-hmm. masks issue two, because when the team came first came together was number one. And so like muddling out those relationships is part of it. Yeah. It's it's interesting um, because that it almost makes me say like so earlier I had said that if I, that the way we the, so that masks is a game that has that has those interesting stories uh, yeah. driven by the playbook but I almost want to say I want to back away from that and say that it's it's not like I mean it, it is a little bit but that's just because some of the way that we play it on Protean City is the scatter shot like we've voided the warranty by playing yeah. it this way like the way that, the like based off of that if if all of that those relationships and influence and stuff on all of the playbooks is all supposed to be setting up, setting up how your team relationship is. Then the story you should be telling in masks is the team story. Yeah. And that's where I almost feel like if I were going to hack masks, I wouldn't hack the relationships and the influences. I might try to find some kind of a team mechanic. Like again, okay. I, I mean, this is the thing we talked about like two episodes <laughs> ago. And so maybe my instinct there was correct in that it feels like the team story is lacking and it does set you up with that initial like what you like you write your first like your first story of how your team came together and it tells the story of a battle between you and a villain and like yeah. and it sets up some fallout but having some mechanic that like comes back to that that comes back to that and deals with that a little bit more might be the way that I would go and that each of those players do have interesting stories but those stories are interesting in so far as they they interact with each other because if you're and that makes sense with a comic book thing because if you're watching yeah. young justice or you're reading a, a young avengers or whatever comic book then like if 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 um if superboy has a story that is only interesting to him he leaves and goes and does it on another show or in, another yeah. com- or in a solo comic book the yeah. stories you're telling are supposed to be group stories yeah and and i think so I, I think kind of what it maybe comes down to is that masks is about the journey mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's, I think be, maybe because we're in the podcast and like we're doing, we're so wrapped up in this podcast, we have to always be thinking about endings and mm-hmm. we always have to be thinking about finales. And so because of that, it feels like, wait, we might, we don't have, there isn't support for a finale. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, the, the, you retire from the life or become a paragon of the city, but there isn't a thing that says, Hey, this is your final chapter. This is when yeah. it ends. 
and it almost does need it. Like, and I think that might almost be the form that my my masks hack takes of yeah. like, here's how your story began. Here's the middle of your story. Like, here is the like the different chapters of your story. Here's yeah. the ending to this comic book. And and I think part of what you're getting, I think you get the middle, and I think you get the build up because you get like the taken adult moves. Mm-hmm. Those are moving you right into the middle and late middle of your story, right? Like, the moment that your Nova can manipulate the very fabric of reality with precision and grace, mm-hmm. that's a different comic book now. Like, yeah. you are no longer bumbling kids. Things have changed so definitively. And, like, changing playbooks is a similar sort of thing, that things have changed. Things will not be the same. But I think that overall, RPGs could could do better in terms of what our finales look like. Yeah, I think that's an episode we're going to have to do coming up. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm trying to do a finale mechanic for Passion. I feel pretty decent mm-hmm. about it where it's currently at. Um, and my my next project also involves making sure you hit your ending. But, like, I, I don't know that there is an enormous amount of thought put towards endings in games. Well, and it's the same. It's so it's the same problem that like if I let me just go back and harp on this again as something that that I've never brought up on the podcast before, but like if you go back and look at Lost, the TV show Lost, <laughs> part of the thing that happened with Lost and why people feel like the ending is so rocky is because that show hit strong and it hit hard. Yeah. And it has compelling stories and interesting characters, and the and the 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 executives at the at the at the TV station or the, the TV station the TV network said this is great, make this forever. Yeah, and the writers went wait, but it's a mystery. Like we have to yeah. solve the mystery, and like I think that one of the things that we've seen recently with like with some of the the Netflix style like Marvel uh, TV shows are that they're mm-hmm. told in season long story arcs. Yeah. And sometimes the story arcs don't cross over between seasons and that's fine yeah. because it is totally cool to tell. And like there have been a couple um, longer mini series shows where it's like mm-hmm. one or two seasons long. And like, we know that like game of Thrones, they went in knowing they were not going to tell the game of Thrones story forever because there's only so many books. Yeah. So we're going to do those books and we're going to get out. Ending things is okay. Yeah. And I think that there's a culture in RPGs of not ending things because D&D, like, yeah, there's people that have finished D&D campaigns. Mm -hmm. But my guess is that if one out of 10 D&D campaigns finishes instead of dropping off, I'd be shocked. But it's also, I think it's also that it's a social event. People come yeah. together to socialize as much as tell stories. Yeah. And, it, and there's a fear that if you end the campaign, then you end the socializing. And yeah. Then you, and, and so the expectation should be that you'll pick up with another, another game. You'll tell, even if you're playing the same game, you'll tell yeah. a different story with new characters. But people are attached to their characters. They're attached to the socializing and so many people have so many problems keeping their gaming groups showing up regularly anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that like, um, that's actually a very interesting thing that this group that I've been playing with that I ran Urban Shadows for is yeah. that we have always gone in with the understanding that these sessions were not going to last forever and yeah. that we were going to like, I was going to run for a little while and then their other GM was going to come back and we were going to play a different game and that that's fine. That's what we're trying yeah. to do. They're trying to play a bunch of different games. That's very interesting. There's also just that aspect of the difficulty of letting go of one of these characters, right? Yeah. Like, we recently, in our very secret, private section of our Discord, were talking with the cast about, like, hey, we should get together at some point and talk about what's next steps, who is looking at the their advancement and having crossed that that line that lets you retire and is saying... I would like to retire and who's looking at it and saying, I want to change playbooks. Uh, and there was a lot of, but can't I play this character forever? <laughs> and like the answer is no, they have to be let go because that's what makes, that's what makes it work. Yeah. It's what it's, it's why <laughs> this is, this is, this is just like, this is why I always tell, this is why whenever, whenever I play games, I yeah. get made fun of because I want my characters to die. 
Yeah, but that's because <laughs> I want my story. I want my my character to have an ending to their story. I want James. Like, there's what more is, than one way for a story to end. But like, what is the purpose of having a, a playbook or a character that has these rich stories if it's just going to go on forever? Like, whatever. I don't know. That's just my saying, my weird thing. I guess what we're saying is old man Logan should die in the yes. comics and stay dead. And, and also the other thing that we're saying is <laughs> time to end this podcast episode. Yeah, there's episode. there's a sadness. But James, do we yes. have to end this podcast yes. episode? Yes, we have Does to end this podcast episode. We can come back next week. And in the meantime, if people want to keep talking to us <laughs> as though this podcast episode had never ended, the best way for them to do that is to reach out on Twitter where you can find me at and the meltdowns for the next three days. You can find me at Dr. Captain Cobalt, but after that I'll be deleting my account forever because accounts have to end too. Or you can find both of us together at stop, hack and roll. You can find all of our episodes links to some of the games we've been working on and a pretty new layout at www.stophackandroll.com. That also is going to be getting a text update in the near future. Hopefully. Um, it's like sitting there on my to-do list, but yeah. we want to make all of our products more accessible. Yeah, and I've been going on a, like a, a slow churn, slow, slow churn of going back through a lot of the old games that we talked about and like refreshing them and bring them so we can talk about them on the episode on the podcast again. And like, I really want to get that race game together so we can bring it to Metatopia. Yeah, um, like I don't think Pasión de las Pasiones ashcan is linked no, on the so. website <laughs> um i so you can so if you want to reach out to us in another way more a more websitey way and a less twittery way um then you can do that by emailing us which is like the website of twitter um email the website of twitter <laughs> um and you can email us at either james or brandon at stopbackandroll.com if you like the show, uh, you can rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get it, because uh, that helps us out by helping other people to find it. Makes us move up those charts. I've actually never looked at the charts. I have no idea how high we are on the char- charts. I don't look at I that. assume top five. Yeah. Total. It's like Serial Season 1, The Lost Cast, West Wing Weekly, Us. Does that sound right? Yeah, probably. We make this podcast with the support of our Patreon backers, and this month we would like to welcome some new backers, Troy Carter and Peter Von Batavia, as well as thank some old favorites like Nick Punt, Panic Productions, Rob Harvey, Corin J. Leary, Richard Kritzlandry, Riverhouse Games, Clay, who is terminally nerdy, and Alice Tobin. Thank you guys so much. You help us uh, make this thing. If you'd like to help support this show and future shows, check us out at patreon.com slash stop, hack, and roll. If you can't support us financially, that's completely fine. Come support our community by being a part of it. Join us on our Discord at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stopbackandroll.com. What's going on there right now is we recently got a little influx of people that are working on a paranormal romance game. Yeah. So if that interests you, go go <laughs> hop on. Yeah. And we so should the, do that every week. Like, what's the Discord been talking about? Yeah, we should That'd do that. I think I like a good it. idea. Let's do that. All Connects right. us with our community cool. more. That's our promise to you. We'll do this thing because it's cute. Usually, I mean, usually what's been happening in the Discord recently is something that prompted whatever the episode is that we're recording. <laughs> so, uh, not, but not this week. This week was this week. independently we designed. Idea, yeah. yeah. So, as you were sitting down to look at the thousand line long list of npcs that you generated over two sessions of playing urban shadows <laughs> and trying to decide which of them will be your ma- next main bad guy don't forget to stop hack and roll